welcome to the Creating Us podcast, hosted by the Office of Leader and Culture Development. I'm Jason. And I'm Shelby. And we're excited to be with you as we go on a journey across the Texas Tech University system. All right, here we go. Shelby, how are you doing today? I'm good. Um, You know, it's finally slowing down with all of my kids' activities, so I think we'll have a a weekend of maybe not doing anything. Well, I'm jealous because ours are ramping up. Um, And so, but you know, it's been very exciting. My my oldest son, Braden, is a senior. Uh, He's going to be coming to tech, so I'm really excited for this. But he'll be going through Rawls, doing all that stuff. But he's really into accounting and, you know, wants to be an actuary and all that stuff. It has been amazing to watch because, again, being relatively new to Texas and learning about UIL and watching these competitions, um, watching him just absolutely dominate. It's been amazing the knowledge this kid has, and I've never seen him pick up a book. So it's it really is very proud dad moments watching him compete at the state level and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, again, I'm jealous if your weekends are getting lighter because ours are getting busier with travel to competition petitions and all that stuff. So are you trying to get on the good side of our guest today? Uh, you know that? what? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. So <laughs> I'll just I'll go with that. But who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? Yes. Yeah, so I'm so excited to introduce um, President Skubanek, the president of Texas Tech University. How are you doing today? I'm fine, Shelby. Hello, Jason. Hello. <laughs> So we'll just go ahead and um, start off. And what do we want to know about um, our president of Texas Tech University? That could go a lot of different directions. Um, (laughs) um, I've been at Tech for about 40 years. Um, I came here from Indiana University. Um, I had a I did my master's uh, step work at A&M. And so I wanted to go back to Texas, but I didn't want to go to where I had been a student Mm-hmm. Texas Tech had a very good math department, and so I came here. Um, I was here one year, and then I was invited uh, to be a visiting professor at Texas A&M uh, to do research with uh, some colleagues there. And I came back to Tech, <clears throat> spent another year here, and then was invited back to A&M. Um, uh, I had some very valuable colleagues there um, who were so important in my career. Mm -hmm. But, um, and my wife had, well, I had met my wife as a graduate student my first year there, and then she took a job at Baylor. We weren't married at the time. And um, I think Patty thought that'd be great. You you go to A&M, I'll be at Waco. But I, um, I, I, I felt very differently about um, Texas Tech and A&M. And it was, the culture on this campus, um, I I felt there was something very special about Texas Tech as it related to emphasis on the student experience, um, the collegiality of this community. And AM is a great school. I'm not saying anything like that. But there was something very special about Texas Tech, other than going to a, spending a time at a national lab and research appointment. I've been at Tech ever since. And my wife now teaches here as well. So tech is really so important to us, uh, uh, our lives. Uh, That said, 
neither of my two sons went here. Went to graduate from a university in Ohio where he played football and baseball. And the other one went to a school in St. Louis, WashU. But um, I think even their experience has helped me appreciate even more just what a special place Texas Tech is. Yeah. You had mentioned the uh, individuals that you've come across throughout your career, uh, professionally, et cetera. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the influencers that you've had that have helped you uh, as you've risen the ranks, so to speak, uh, in your career? Well, it depends on what stage of your career you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned as a, I, I love teaching. Um, I was very active in research. And so early on, where I had, I never had an ambition to be an administrator. I had colleagues I worked with uh, around the world, actually uh, collaborated with that were important to me. Um, but then, um, as a faculty member in the math department, um, there were some chairs that were very influential. I can think of a couple: John White, Ron Anderson. Um, I replaced Ron Anderson as the chair. Um, and then I worked as a chair under Jane Weiner, who had been the Dean of Arts and Sciences for 17 years. And she was a very important influence in my life. Um, after um, Jane became interim provost, I was interim Dean. And then um, I became the Dean. Uh, and um, I'd been Dean for four years when I was asked to serve as the interim president, which was a bit awkward going from dean to president, especially when the VPR and the provost probably had designs on that position. Um, But then I became the provost and then president. I was only provost for three years. And so there were different people at different stages of my career who influenced me. I I would say, though, that um, as president, uh, I've benefited greatly from becoming close to many, many alumni. I spend a lot of time an advancement and um, probably the person that comes to mind as having had a big influence on me is Ed Whitaker. Mm. Just saw Ed about a month ago. Um, Ed is an extraordinary person um, as an individual, but also in terms of what he achieved as a president, CEO of AT&T, and then as a chairman of the board of General Motors. Uh, I've seen the lives he's touched through his generosity and his uh, care. Um, his he bleeds um, Texas Tech, and uh, he's been so supportive for this university. Um, early when I was provost and then president, there were people, other president presidents who I depended on quite often for advice. Um, Imagine some of these people would be surprised when I'd mention their names, but like Jay Googe was a president of Auburn. He and I communicated a lot as I transitioned from provost to president. Once I got became president, I developed close friendships with other presidents in the Big 12. Burns Harkis was the president of Oklahoma State. I was a great admirer of him, and I would reach out to him for advice. Um, even today, I had a meeting last week with the Big 12 board, some of my very close friends are members of that board, and we talk a lot. I reach out to them for advice. Um, other presidents who had been at Tech, like Don Harrigan, Dave Schmidley, and then Bob Duncan was the chancellor who hired me, and I owe a great deal to Bob Duncan. There, but also, I'm a great believer 
in the collective wisdom of this community. And I mean the students, staff, and faculty. And um, tech has, um, we have a wonderful culture of shared governance, I think respect. Um, the um, As I could, I could point to so many examples of how that's uh, displayed. We had a town hall meeting a few weeks ago with the students, there were a few hundred there, um, leadership of the student organizations, SGA, the BSA, Hispanic Student Study, and more. Um, they, Their advice is very important of what we do. Uh, this, I have a meeting today with the president of the Senate. Um, two weeks ago, I met with the president of the staff Senate. And uh, when we had to vote on changes related to post-tenure review as a result of Senate Bill 18, the Senate voted 100% to accept those modifications in that operational policy, and then it went to the faculty. 93% supported it. You don't find this at other institutions, where there's such a sense of mutual respect and collaboration. That's a very important part of our values here. And, and so um, I could go on and on and name people who've had an impact on what I do, but I would be remiss if I didn't say how important my team here is, um, the vice presidents. We have an extraordinary good group of leadership. We like each other. We have a lot of fun together. Um, these are people that are in the trenches with you, and only they understand our challenges. Mm -hmm. So I'm very tech-centric because we're together 24-7 dealing with issues, and you really can't imagine what happens on this campus in one day. Mm -hmm. Something very lighthearted happened today. There was a gentleman who travels around the country. Um, he takes out his dog cage and he put it on Memorial Circle. Then he crawled into the dog cage to meditate. And we said, well, you really shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> campus. And I have a photograph of this man in his dog cage laying <laughs> on his back meditating. Just another day in a university. Oh my I, have, I, have, I have wonderful colleagues who have helped help deal with all of that. <laughs> well, I, I completely agree with you about the culture of Texas Tech. And um, that is one of the reasons why I really, I, I chose to go to Tech. And in fact, I think you might have been the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences while I went there. And I think you had transitioned to the provost office so, whenever so, I was there. So when, when was that? When was that? So I went from 2011 to 2015. Okay, so I was dean from 8 until 12. And okay. then in the fall of 12, I was interim president. Okay, yeah. And Man. Then um, I was interim president for one year, and then I was provost from 13 to 16. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, um, when you look at the challenges that other well, higher ed in general, there's mm -hmm. a public perception issue. Um, people are questioning the ROI. Um, some of my colleagues uh, at the Big 12 have enrollment issues. I was, um, one thing I really enjoy doing is every year I've been president, I've been invited to a group that gathers on the campus of Yale. I was there two weeks ago, maybe about 25 presidents show up and we talk about issues in higher ed. And when I hear of the challenges that people are facing, um, we've been fortunate uh, at Tech. 
uh, have very stable growth, uh, our financial support through the tough institutional enhancement. There's almost $100 million of extra revenue in, uh, coming out of that last session. The things we can do. Um, and um, and uh, we have a, a great team and in enrollment managed, but in, in, across the campus in terms of how we are able to recruit students here. And I think uh, what's significant is the fact that more than 75% of our students come from more than 300 miles away. Wow. About the average distance one travels to go to college in the United States is 100 miles. What's going wow. on in tech that brings them here? And you can speak to that. You become They come here. They don't run home every weekend because mm -hmm. of distance. They become part of a community. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. supportive of each other. They become so embedded in this culture. And all, a lot of times, um, people, when they speak of our graduates, there was a survey that they do every 10 years. It last came out in the spring of 2020, where they rank schools, where they interview corporate recruiters, mostly Fortune 500, about 350. They rank schools on who produces the most able to succeed graduates, and Texas Tech University ranked ninth. Oh, wow. And what did they cite? Their work ethic. But they also cited the location in which they were educated. There's something about being here, even though they're not from West Texas, they buy into certain standards of behavior, mm -hmm. um, civility, respect, Regardless of your views, we don't shout one another down. We can have very conservative uh, speakers or very liberal. Everybody has a voice. That's a very difficult thing that universities are navigating today, especially when you think of what happened after October 7th. Mm -hmm. And then the way those three presidents responded to that congressional hearing. Yeah. I think sometimes you have to speak to your values. Mm -hmm. and ours are about taking care and safeguarding our students, our faculty, and staff. Yeah. And without being so measured into the correct, as by what may be the correct legal response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we respect the First Amendment, but sometimes you have to say what is the truth. Yeah. Right. So, you know, having that culture at tech, how do your leadership experiences of, you know, being at tech, going through all of those uh, position changes help you or, yeah, help you navigate how to continue to have that culture and, and empower, you know, all the rest of your faculty and staff and administration to to do their jobs the correct I think way. it's uh, very much about respect. Mm -hmm. um, I believe um, 98% of human beings are good. <laughs> maybe 99, <laughs> certainly on this campus. And the fact that we have differences of opinion isn't a statement about any moral position. And that um, I, I think all of us want to do what is right for students. And that means uh, tending to their academic development, but also understanding that they are they have human needs. That means you, they want to be treated with empathy, uh, understanding the complications they may be dealing with within their lives. The same applies to staff and faculty, respecting people, understanding that our, our agreements and commonalities are much, much greater than our differences, and always um, listening. Um, I have, a, with my team, I don't agree with a lot of the things they want to do, but 
I respect their professionalism, the different perspective they bring. And you apply that not only to your immediate team, but to the deans, to the chairs and to the faculty. And I do think there is a great culture of respect and civility on this campus, and it carries over into the students. And they go into their careers um, as people who can um, ambitious, but they do it with a certain amount of endearing humility. Mm-hmm. And that's what Red Raiders are known for. A great work ethic, ambition, um, but like I say, with uh, an endearing humility that makes them very successful. You know, I think one of the greatest examples that we saw, you know, as we concluded up our 100-year celebration, uh, one of the initiatives was the volunteerism and what that looked like. And it was just amazing to see the outcome of that. Well over a million hours of volunteer service, not just in West Texas, but all across the globe. Yeah, more than 50,000 people were part of that. Yeah, that's what tech's about. Yeah. and uh, But also it applies, I think, to every component in the system. There, there's a great commonality in the culture of these campuses, but we're very different. Um, in the medical schools, there is a big difference between a general academic and a health-related institution. Um, what they do, their primary focus is, are their faculty compared to ours? And then if you take the regional institutions like Midwestern and Angelo State, um, again, um, you know, there's a lot of differences, but I think what is common is the basic values, whether you've enumerated them or not. Like on this campus, some colleges have gone through that experience where they get together and they have their list of values like the system does. in talking to leadership from the Senate and some faculty, that um, our approach has been to be um, more individual and, uh, and personalized in coming up with those values. Certain colleges have done it, certain departments have done it. Mm-hmm. But if we were to come, many people would say our values are self-evident. Um, and um, and uh, and just in talking to faculty, they, they would say, uh, well, reducing it or distilling it to four or five statements ignores certain things that are very important. When you have 2,000 faculty right, yeah, yeah. and over 5,000 employees, it's a very different exercise than what you would do at some of the other components. Yes, completely agree yes, with that. It does, but our, but um, like you referenced the Centennial, I mean, if you were there for the Carol of Lights, mm-hmm. would you feel it? Yeah. There's we, something different about tech. It, there's something different. And um, um, my niece um, will be going here next fall. She's from Oklahoma. Her, my brother has a couple of degrees from OU, including a law degree. His wife has a couple of degrees from OU. Some of his kids went to OU. She came here and um, talking to my uh, sister-in-law, she said, you know, she's a big OU fan, but she says, there's something special about this. She yeah. said, OU is not warm and fuzzy. That's what she said. So you <laughs> could just feel the family here. Mm-hmm. And she made a decision to come. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. 
You know, that's been one of the key things. So, you know, moving down from Wisconsin uh, five years ago uh, and born and raised in Minnesota, we always would say Minnesota nice. But when we moved here and became a part of the community uh, in West Texas, it was like, no, they they don't have nothing on, you know, they, they got nothing on what it is here. But I think that speaks so much to again, all the work that goes into our values and how we treat each other and, and all the things that you've mentioned, the respect and civility, et cetera. Yeah. You know, so I have to tell you, my older son, he went to Carroll University outside of uh, Milwaukee. Yeah. He graduated early and then he went to Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And played football and baseball at Case Western. He got a master's in finance. And now he's on the coaching staff here at Tech. But he coached with Wes Kitley at Houston Baptist. Um, you know, Cleveland, Milwaukee, they had some, you know, especially Cleveland. It, it had some reputational issues. But when we were there, we loved those cities. Yeah. Um, uh, it's that 1940 to 1960 period when they were so vibrant. But people there were wonderful. People are great everywhere. Yeah. But I also, but I do think that out here in, in a sparsely populated area, you have to be nice and people mm -hmm. are. Doesn't mean we're perfect. No. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're kind of bringing this episode to a close, um, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on for those who are aspiring to make more of a impact in their community, those that may positionally across our system want to move up, what advice would you give to that next generation of leaders? Um, I would say do the job in front of you. And, um, you know, I, I, I said this and I, it's the truth. I, when I was asked to be the interim dean by then the dean who become provost, I said, no, I I want to stay. I, I like what I'm doing here. I'm just going to stay in the math department. She came back and asked me to do it. And, um, and, and in fact, I asked the associate chair, can I leave my books in my office? Cause I'm going to be back in January. Cause in six months, this decision will be made. I've only been in that up building a couple of times since. And I would always say that you wake up every day. You must have a passion for what you're doing. So it starts with, my love of this school is is just uh, inherent in my being, but you just do the job in front of yourself, and you better take more pleasure in enabling the success of others than adding to your resume. Mm -hmm. Don't ever do something thinking about how it positions you. Do it for what it means for others, whether it's students, faculty, or staff. They may not always think I do that, <laughs> but I try to be guided by that. Um, don't be hung up on who gets credit. Um, and I, I would say people see this, be authentic, be yourself mm -hmm. and, um, make sure you know what you're doing. Um, it's not just about doing it for others, but make sure you're informed. Um, I, I'm somewhat of a micromanager. Um, when I look at schools where they've had enrollment problems, uh, and I've talked to some of those presidents. You weren't meeting with your enrollment vice president, enrollment manager regularly. But what did you expect? Yeah, you, you you have to be aware of how, 
uh, of what's going on. But ultimately, when certain decisions are made, you should defer to the provost, to the CFO, to the people in these various positions. Um, I would say, but it begins with a commitment to doing the task in front of you and giving it 100% of your effort and doing it for the benefit of others. Well, that's a great way to to sum this up. So again, President Skuvenik, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. It really means a lot for us. And um, we're excited to... Our, our... I look forward to meeting your son. Yes, very much so. Uh, we I know we're very excited for that. So uh, again, so thankful for it. Shelby, uh, any final thoughts? Well, I just want to thank you again, and I look forward to hopefully seeing you very soon. And then mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what tech does next. Well, um, th there's a lot of great things um, mm -hmm. academically and athletically. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Take care. All right. And I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Creating Us podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please let us know at jason.weber at ttu.edu. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Shelby. Take care.